Welcome back to another edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Warner here with Sean. Uh, we've got probably the best weekend of college basketball overall that this past weekend was played. Uh, so many fun storylines overall. Uh, Texas is officially back. Uh, Iowa still is pretty good offensively. Luca Garza is still pretty good. Uh, all sorts of fun. So, Sean, how are you doing before we dive into this? Doing good. Uh, you know, basketball's on right now as we're speaking. I have a little Stanford, Oregon State on in the background on my computer. So I'll be uh, watching Zaire Williams miss 23s in this one while we talk about some college hoops. Yeah, definitely going to be fun. Um, I'll, I'll take the under. I think he'll only miss 19 in this game. Oh, okay. uh, he's, so. so he's on like that Casey Morsell diet right now. Yeah, he, he's going to stop taking his main shots. Uh, let's hope. Because this looks not great currently. But anyway, as we begin here, we got to start with Texas because Texas went into Allen Field House in front of a sold out crowd of 2,000 fans and beat Kansas by 25, 84 to 59. Uh, it was the most impressive win in the Shaka Smart era quite easily. Uh, the team was knocking down threes with ease, uh, 12 of 26 from three. I think they started six of six in the second half. Um, just an absolutely incredible performance. Uh, seemed everyone, the main six that the team kind of goes around with the five stars and Kai Jones come off the bench, all played pretty well. And just a really good win for a Texas team that looks they look legit. They are back. I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Texas is back. They have a lot of pieces. Their defense is scary good with the length and athleticism they have. Greg Brown, while he only had five points and five rebounds, he does a lot of things you don't see on the stat sheet. He makes plays. He's a great defender. He's just a good team guy. And then you have Jericho Sims with a double-double. Courtney Ramey, 18-4. and four. What's not to love? Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman is one of the best guard duos in the country. And then Kai Jones is coming off the bench playing elite defense on everybody. He can defend literally every single position on the floor. He had 12 points and five boards. He's one of the better breakout players in college basketball this season. Jalen Wilson still had a good game for Kansas with 20 points. David McCormick, uh, yeah, he did nothing. He, he had eight free throws, but that's about it. And then Ochai Baji struggled. Marcus Garrett struggled. Christian Brown struggled. Just about everybody struggled for Kansas. And a lot of people are taking credit away from Texas, saying they wouldn't have been able to win like this if it was a packed Allen Fieldhouse, but it wasn't. So uh, let's just give them the credit they deserve for this win. They dominated Kansas in every facet of the game. I think Texas is a really good team. I still think Kansas is really good. It just wasn't their night. I think Texas will be a really, really dangerous team, though, the rest of the season. Should be a top-five team this week. Yeah, and I, I think along the winning out field house, yes, you don't win in front of 16,000 f- fans, but 16,000 fans or 14,000 fans, I guess it would be, isn't making the difference in 25 points. And furthermore, if, let's just say this game's played at Texas. This is still incredible performance, even if it's played in Texas's building and they win a four to 59, it's, it's an incredible performance just from the team. And look, I, I do see some 
like shooting wise, Kansas is traditionally a really good three point shooting team. Um, they shot 13% in the game, three for 23. Uh, and Texas shot 46%, 12 of 26 in the three. That's, I think Kansas coming into the game, you would have said is the better three point shooting team, but Texas made their shots and Kansas really didn't. But at the end of the day, Texas played a really good defensive game plan. Uh, they took away threes, uh, kind of, they took away the paint, they took away threes and just kind of said, beat us in the mid range. And Kansas really didn't. And Texas, credit to them, they hit shots. They came out in the second half. They started six for six. Uh, and it's really hard to on a comeback when you're making everything. And just a really good performance. Greg Brown didn't really score, but he was really impactful when he was on the court. Uh, Kai Jones was just – he Greg Brown, Kai Jones just played David McCormick off the court, which is impressive. And then the guard tandem, Coleman, Jones, and Ramey just did what they do. And Texas walks away with a big win. Yeah, definitely. Texas is definitely back. They're not frauds. And they you got to watch Texas games if you haven't because they're really fun to watch. Yeah, and certainly going to be interesting to see if they can sustain this type of success. Uh, they'll play Iowa State on Tuesday, so that would be Can't probably a that. blowout. Probably a blowout, but then they play at West Virginia next Saturday. That would be certainly a fun game to watch uh, for this Longhorns team. Uh, moving on, moving on here. Uh, I think the game of the day uh, has to be Rutgers and Iowa. It came right down to the wire. Uh, Keegan Murray hit the big free throws to put Iowa on top. I was really kind of I wanted to see five more minutes of that. I was rooting for overtime. Didn't get it. That's disappointing. But overall, just a really great college basketball game. I think. Luca Garza, as well as Rutgers did on him, he still had a really good game. Uh, Miles Johnson was playing incredible defense. They weren't really giving him an opportunity to get the ball, and still he comes away with 25 points. I think just an overall impressive performance from him, impressive performance from uh, Keegan Murray off the bench to not only hit those free throws, but to earn the trust to play down the stretch with his play early in the game. I've had really good performance from uh, him, good performance again from Bohanna, and this big win for an Iowa team that uh, looks pretty legit. Yeah, definitely. The defense is still a concern for Iowa. It's going to be like that the whole season. They're going to be a tough team for me to buy in on, but the offense is obviously there. And then Jordan Bohannon, you know, he looks back. He's been hitting threes. He's nine of his last 14 from deep. And then you look at what you said, Keegan Murray hitting the final two free throws. Keegan Murray's a good player. He's a freshman. He's going to be a glue guy this year, but he can be really good in a couple seasons as a junior or maybe a sophomore next year. He's a guy I'd see that could be one of Iowa's best players when Luka Garza is out of the fold because Murray can do a lot of different things. I think a year in the weight room will get him – to become one of the better players in the Big Ten. But for this year's team, he's going to be a big piece, especially depending on how long Connor McCaffrey is hurt because he had an ankle injury early in that game, which is part of why Murray had so many minutes. But then you look at what Rutgers did. Rutgers played pretty well for the most part. I mean, they shot 9 for 23 from 3. You'll take that most times. Ron Harper Jr., he struggled, he struggled pretty much 
most of the game. He had a little stretch where he had a couple threes. I think part of it was he probably wasn't 100%, but we'll see what they look like against Michigan State. But I'd like to see more bench scoring from Rutgers. They had six bench points, all coming from Paul Mulcahy. Caleb McConnell was back, and he was 0 for 5 from the field. I think Rutgers needs a little more bench scoring is what I see. Yeah, I think this Rutgers team that is still kind of working its way back into health, uh, Ron Harper Jr., he played all right, but he he still looked like not really at his full speed. Uh, Caleb McConnell, they did get him back for this game, but he struggled, obviously. Uh, they still don't have Mawatmog, uh, and Clifford Morari is still not in the lineup. We'll see when those uh, two kind of get back into the rotation. They certainly have a higher upside. Uh, the other thing that really killed them, 4 of 12 from the free throw line. Uh, and, like, the free throw is big. I thought a big one was uh, Ron Harper Jr. He gets this put back and one, and then misses the free throw that could have ended up putting them up by 12. I think it would have been, uh, it would have made those Keegan Murray free throws for the tie as opposed to for the lead. Uh, and ultimately the four twelve free throw shooting, I think ends up coming back to bite them. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, free throws are an issue for Rutgers. They are one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the conference. It's something you got to improve on free throws. How much are they worth? They're free. They are free. That's and actually. one point. And one point also, yeah. So, I gotta mean, make your free at, throws. You look at, like, what uh, that San Diego State-Colorado State game. I mean, uh, they missed, like, tw- 17 free throws, I believe. Like, and they blew a 26-point lead. Like, they blew... So many free throws, which ended up getting them to lose the game. Yeah, you got you got to make your free throws. It's I think across the board and Rutgers didn't in that game it end up really kind of buying them in the end. Yeah, definitely. Uh, big upset of the day. Uh, probably one of the un- ones no one was really expecting an upset. Uh, Alabama goes on the road. They beat Tennessee 71 to 63. John Petty Jr. had a big game. Uh, I, you know, really liked what I saw. Javon Quinterly, he played really well off the bench. Uh, just a really good overall performance from the Tide, and they walk away. Uh, they walk into Thompson Bowling Arena, and they come away with the win. Yeah, you said it perfectly. John Petty Jr. had a big game. That's his first big game of the season. He was 4 for 4 from deep, 18 points. He was shooting, uh, I believe, like 22% from deep coming into the game. He was just struggling this entire season, and he had a big game. I don't think it's a coincidence that when he has a big game, Alabama happened to win that game. I think that was a very important thing for Alabama. They need him to be their guy, and he was their guy in this game. He didn't shoot a ton of threes, but going 4 for 4 is more than uh, perfect. And Tennessee struggled scoring-wise. I didn't, you know, I figured that could be an issue at some point. Uh, Alabama did play some solid defense, but Tennessee, you got to be better on offense. Yeah, I think the fr- the issue I think I had with Tennessee, they're they're a great defensive team. They played good team defense. Ebe's Ponds is 
just an absolute monster, but they were going to get a game where even their deep, like they were going to need to go out and score. And this was probably that game and they were not unable to do so. Vescovi and Bailey had solid games, but you look at the makeup of their team outside Vescovi on I think most of their players are defense first guys. Like you would say Pons, defense guy. Josiah James, defensive guy. Uh, even their freshman, Keon J- Johnson, I'd say he's more of a, he buys way more in on the defensive end. Yeah, I trust him a little bit more there than I do off, on the offensive end. So this, this is a Tennessee they guard really well. But at the end of the day, some some teams are going to have good shooting nights against you. Uh, Alabama certainly did in this one, and you're going to have to be able to score offensively. And their first game where they really need to score offensively, they were unable to do so. Yeah, that's a similar issue I have with Clemson, and the reason I'm not going to fully buy into that team is because they are a bad offensive team, but they're one of the best defensive teams. And we saw they almost lost to Miami if it wasn't for an Amir Sims late uh, game put back, I believe. I think it was a put back. I was watching it. Can't quite remember. It was a layup. But, I mean, they play NC State tomorrow. So, like, that – I mean, all the – every game that I look at Clemson going into it, I'm like, yeah, they could lose this game. I just feel like they're one of those teams that's just going to lose random games that they shouldn't lose. Yeah. I, I think Tennessee's a little bit better than Clemson, obviously, because I do still think their defense is going to be able to carry them. Like, they'll play Arkansas on Wednesday. I'd take Tennessee because I think they'll be able to shut down the Arkansas guards. I think Arkansas will want to get the game high tempo, uh, score a bunch. Tennessee's going to say, yeah, we're not doing that. We're going to keep this game low tempo. You're not going to score at the rim, but like they'll, they'll have games. If another team has a good shooting night against them, they're certainly susceptible to a loss. Yeah, definitely. All the defensive led teams are, it's kind of just what it comes down to. Yeah. And if they fix their offense, that's a team that can win the NCAA championship. But like we saw Virginia in 2019, when they won the title, they were a great defensive team, but Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome were great offensively. You you need that offensive power to be able to really, I think, achieve success in March, especially winning yeah. more than just a couple games. Yeah, absolutely. All right, moving forward, uh, seeing in the AC, SEC, um, Missouri goes into... Arkansas, they walk away with an 81 to 68 win. Justin Smith, uh, he's going to be out now three to six weeks, uh, I, I believe it was, but that'll, that'll be certainly tough for them. But this this is a really good performance, good bounce back win for the Tigers because uh, they they got punched in the mouth, punched in the gut by Tennessee, and for them to rebound and play this way it's it was really impressive to watch 
Yeah, Jeremiah Tillman had a career game, 25 points, 10 boards. He was able to lock down Connor Vanover, who went 0 for 11 from the field. For him to be a stretch big like he is, 7 foot 3, and can shoot from deep, Jeremiah Tillman playing as well as he did, not fouling, was huge because it's one of Tillman's biggest issues. If Tillman can play like this, and this was always his potential to be really good, I think Missouri goes to a different level because Tillman's a really good player. He's just never been consistent. So now we can see if he can build some consistency. And then you look at Arkansas. This was their first real test, and they weren't able to win. They 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 had they were 9-0 with their biggest win coming on the road against Auburn or uh, yeah, earlier in the week. Abilene Christian at home, like that's a solid win. They're a solid team, but it's not going to you know carry you at all. They hadn't really played any good teams yet, and this was their first good team, and they got blown out. Yeah. And it certainly doesn't get any easier because they play ten at Tennessee later this week. Um, but Moody looks really good. He's a really good freshman. I think J.D. Note um, looks solid. At, their guards are overall really good, but uh, obviously not having Justice Smith as kind of that glue guy four man uh, is big. And then Connor Vanover. He can't have nights like this, and like I could see him having another night like that against Tennessee. But Arkansas is a team still, I think, plenty of question marks. And yeah, nine and zero start. Good, get to nine zero, that's fine. But you're get you're at a point where you guys start winning games. You guys get to probably I think five hundred in a SEC play if you want to make the NCAA tournament at this point. Yeah, definitely. They need a better performance from Connor Vanover. They need better performances shooting-wise as a whole. They can't play like this and expect to make the NCAA tournament. We saw last year they had two of the better scorers in the conference with Isaiah Joe and Mason Jones, and they wouldn't have made the tournament. So they need to step up. Yeah, certainly need to get better, uh, especially consistency-wise, but we'll see if they can. Uh, Oklahoma State, they end up taking home one of the bigger victories of the day. They go on the road. Uh, they beat Texas Tech 82-77. to uh, Cade Cunningham makes three free throws to force overtime. Um, smart heads-up play to draw the defender in the air and then force the ref to make the call. Uh, and the official did make the call. He made all three free throws. Good overall play by him, but... Uh, I guess a questionable call to send it to overtime. Um, there, there are videos out there if you want to be the judge, but I think just baiting the official into the call is a good overall play on Cunningham's part, and they end up winning in overtime. So Texas Tech did have a chance to ultimately get the better of Oklahoma State, and they weren't able to do so. So good win for the Cowboys. Yeah, that's what Cade Cunningham does. He's a savvy player. He knows what he needs to do, and he baited the referees into calling that foul on Kevin McCuller. It was just a good play. A lot of people say it wasn't a foul. It might not have been a foul, but he did what he needed to do. Got his team to OT where they ended up pulling out the win in Lubbock. Avery Anderson had 17 points. Isaac Likely at 17. Bryce Williams at 15 and was able to shoot the ball really well from deep. That's something they need. They need people to shoot the ball from deep consistently, and that starts with Avery Anderson. That starts with 
Bryce Williams, Rondo Walker, if he could do it, that'd be great. Ferran Flavors isn't even playing anymore, so whatever. But Rondo Walker, Avery Anderson, and Bryce Williams, if they can shoot the ball, this Oklahoma State team goes to a different level. Yeah, because, like, Cade Cunningham, the thing with him is, like, teams are just going to say, okay, let's let's see if Avery Anderson, Isaac Likely, Bryce Williams, Rondell Walker can beat us. We're, we're not going to let Cade Cunningham just drive to the paint and take floaters or layups or whatever he can do. Uh, we're going to see if these other players, then thus far in the season, uh, these other players, at least in this game, were able to do so, and that's big reason why they end up with this uh, really big win. So, uh, credit to kind of the role players for stepping up in a big time spot. Yeah, and for Texas Tech, I've never been fully in on this team, and I'm still not. I just don't buy it yet. This offense is extremely concerning, in my opinion. Kevin McCuller. Two for 11, that's not going to get it done. Mac McClung, three for seven from deep. He did have 21 points, but he's just a bad shooter and shoots way too many. Namari Burnett's done nothing this year. Uh, you look at Terrence Shannon, he's a good offensive player, but he needs to get the ball more. He needs to shoot more than he does because he's their best pure offensive player, but McClung shoots it way more than he does. So I just think as a whole, there's a lot of questions with this Texas Tech team offensively, and I don't see a lot of answers anytime soon. Yeah, defensively they play certainly good enough, I think, to win games. But they they definitely, I think, need to find consistent scoring. I think McClung is that. Um, Turn Shane, I think, can be that. But who's going to step up and be that third guy this game? It was Kyler Edwards. He had a good game off the bench. But you know. It, I think they need to find that guy on a consistent basis. This game, Jamarius Burton didn't really show up. They need to find that consistent go-to score, and thus far they really haven't found it. I've kind of been a little bit disappointed in Texas Tech for kind of a second straight season because, like, you you keep trusting Chris Beard because he what he did in his first three seasons at Texas Tech was as good as a job as anyone's ever done at Texas Tech. And he deserves all the credit. But right now, I think we're just almost as people just throwing all our trust in Chris Beard and saying, this guy's, you got to trust Chris Beard, guy trust Chris Beard. And he, he earned that trust a couple of years ago, but he also deserves some criticism when his team isn't playing well. And right now his team's not playing well. Um, they really don't have an offensive identity. They play good defense, but that's that's really it right now. And they need to find some sort of consistency going forward in Big 12 play. Um, or they could, you know, find themselves right on the bubble like they were last year. Yeah, and you look at with that team that was able to go to the championship, they did have some offensive players. And right now they rank 62nd in Ken Palm on offensive efficiency. Not very good for a team that's supposed to be really good. And you look at what they had offensively that season. Matt Mooney was one of the better scorers in the conference, and he transferred in from uh, South Dakota, right? South Dakota? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you look at Tariq Owens, a transfer from St. John's. He had a pretty good season that year. Jared Culver had a great offensive season. David Amoretti was a solid shooter. They just had a lot of pieces that they don't have on this team. 
they had offense on that team. They didn't have it last year, and they don't have it this year. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is that team was just overwhelming defensively, whereas this team, it's good. It's a good defensive team, don't get me wrong, but it's it's not overwhelming enough to where the defense or the offense can't like that, that offense that went to the championship game was solid. It wasn't great by any means, but it was solid. And this offense is solid, but the defense just isn't at that level where it's like historically one of the best defenses ever. Uh, It's just kind of, it's a good defense, not a all time defense. And, that's, I think, the part where you need some offensive pieces to step in and really carry this team, and thus far, Texas Tech hasn't had that. Yeah, and you look at what um, the Ken Palm rankings were from that season. They had the offense at 25 and the defense at 1, obviously. They shot 36% from deep. Jarrett Culver was listed as Ken Palm's uh, National Player of the Year. He had a great season, obviously. Matt Mooney shot 38% from deep. Tariq Owen shot 67% from two-point range. Kyler Edwards shot 44% from deep. Deshaun Corporate was really good. Davide Moretti shot 45% from deep. Brandon Francis, he contributed a little bit. Uh, Norris Odeyase, he was really good inside. They just had a lot of pieces on this team that they don't have, on that team that they don't have on this team. That team was just better, and I think Chris Beard's still a great coach but they've got to get more offensive-minded, efficient players because that's what that team had. Jarrett Culver was an efficient player. Matt Mooney was an efficient player. Odeyase was an efficient player. Same thing with Tariq Owens. You need more efficient players rather than guys who can score a lot but not do it efficiently. Yeah. Um, but overall, good win for Oklahoma State. They, um, as of now, are still eligible for the NCAA tournaments. Um, and... We'll wait and see on that, but certainly if they're going to make the NCAA tournament, which right now they're in perfect position to do so, um, they got to continue to play at this level and get these type of wins, and credit to them for getting a big one against Texas Tech. And they have a big one tonight against West Virginia. Yes, they do. Uh, speaking of West Virginia, they lost to Oklahoma 75-71. to um, Oklahoma got a big lead. West Virginia cut into it, but Oklahoma holds on. Uh, Umoja Gibson had 29 off the bench, 8 of 11 from 3. An impressive performance from him, obviously, and then just a good overall performance from the Sooners. They get a big win. Uh, Another team that I think in the Big 12 was probably projected to make the NCAA tournament. They get a big win against a good West Virginia team. Uh, and they certainly help themselves uh, stay comfortably in the right side of the bubble. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that West Virginia-Oklahoma game, Oklahoma dominated in the first half. They were up 18, I believe, at the half. Uh, Umoja Gibson had a huge game. He had 29 points, like you said. He was hitting threes. And then Taz Sherman was going blow for blow with him in the second half. Sherman ended up having a huge game. He was hitting everything. But what it came down to was West Virginia not being able to score enough at the end of the game. Oklahoma tightened up defensively, and they ended up losing in a close one after it was a blowout in the first half. 
I think both teams are very good. Oklahoma with Austin Reeves, Brady Manick, Emoji Gibson, three really good scorers. They could play some defense, but that offense is great. And then you look at what West Virginia is able to do. Obviously, Oscar Sheboy left the team. That's that's a blow, but Jalen Bridges had 18. He was He's able to stretch the floor. He's a good shooter out of that fourth spot. They have more of an offensive philosophy with Bridges rather than they did with Sheboy because they have more guys on the floor that can shoot. The spacing is better, but on defense, that's where it's a big blow. Yeah. Certainly they don't have that like Twin Towers look inside with Sheboy and Culver, but I think West Virginia, I think long-term they'll be fine. Uh, good to see Jalen Bridges have the type of game he did off the bench. Uh, Osa Boyne is certainly a really good player. Um, I'm still... I think they'll have to shift a little bit toward being more guard heavy, uh, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Play more math, like more minutes with Matthews at the five and then have uh, like Taz Sherman come off the bench and play at the guard spot along with McBride, McNeil. Uh, But I think Bob Huggins can make some adjustments and West Virginia can still be good. Uh, Are they a top 10 team? Uh, probably not, but like I'd say, they're a top 25 team. I'd like to see them press a lot more with the current team they have because Miles McBride's an elite defender. Sherman can defend. I want to see them do a lot of full-court pressure like they did in the Javon Carter, Dexter Miles days because I think that would benefit them a lot. Yeah, although I will say one thing is, I, especially with the depth continuing to get cut down, like those type of teams with Javon Carter had like legitimately ran like 11, 12 deep. I don't know if like, do you want to play Jordan McCabe more than 10 minutes per game? Like if that's like, I don't think they have the depth to necessarily do that. That's my main concern on bringing yeah, back fair. press Virginia. Yeah, that's fair for sure. Uh, moving on, Creighton wins at the buzzer. They nearly blow the game, but Christian Bishop with the dunk at with .5 remaining wins the game. Creighton gets a nice road win at Providence. Um, certainly a good performance from them to come away with a win. Yeah, what a find for Marcus Zagorowski on that play. You've seen the last week how good, how like it's a good idea to not call a timeout after a made bucket on the other end because we saw it in the Tulsa-Houston game. Brandon Rochelle went to the hoop, got fouled. And in this one, there was nobody defending the paint, and Christian Bishop had a wide-open lane for a dunk. Zegarowski found him. The game was over. But Creighton blew a huge lead, but they're able to hold on. I think Creighton's a really good team, obviously. I do have some concerns, but Providence, that's the game they had to win once they came back. Yeah, uh, and certainly when they really would have needed, like to have, because uh, Creighton's pretty clearly the number two team in the Big East uh, this season. If you're able to get that type of win at home, uh, that's that really helps your NCAA tournament picture. I th- still think Providence has a good shot to make the tournament, but certainly would have been helped by getting that win, which... They do not, so tough loss for the Friars. Uh, moving on, Oregon beat Stanford. Um, now Stanford's playing right now. 
um, as we speak, but that's that's a game that was really close for a little while, and then Oregon just kind of pulled away late. Chris Duarte had another good game. He had 23. Yeah, Duarte went off. Eugene O'Morori went off. And then you look at what Stanford did. They just had no offense in the game. They could not shoot. Obviously, Dejon Davis was out, and that was a big issue because they turned the ball over a lot. But Zaire Williams, he's hit a three today against Oregon State, but he really struggled shooting-wise in that game. He struggled as a whole shooting this year. Hopefully he can improve because that is a big piece of what Stanford what we thought Stanford could do, they ranked 92nd in offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, 8th in defensive efficiency. They're another team that offense has to get better. That starts with Zaire Williams because Oscar De Silva can't do it all by himself. Spencer Jones has to get it going. Once Dejon Davis is back, he has to get it going. Bryce Wills got hurt in this game right now. So hopefully he can come back. Noah Tates, the freshman, he has to get it going. There's a lot of pieces on the Sanford team, but there's also a lot of questions with those pieces I'd like to see figured out. But they're as talented of a team as you'll find in the country. They just have to figure out how to play together and how to score. Yeah, I I do think Oregon's probably the best team in the Pac-12 going forward. This just overall is a really talented team. Like, Jorte can... Be the leading scorer. Uh, still no Will Richardson. Uh, not sure when he's supposed to come back, but LJ Figueroa has blended in well. He he's another really good guard. Eric Williams Jr.'s solid. Eugene Morari has been a fantastic piece. I think they just have a lot of really good pieces. Uh, and I'd say Oregon looks like the best team in the Pac-12 thus far. Yeah, and Nafali Dante is out for the season with the torn ACL. Will Richardson, I believe he's supposed to come back in late January or February. So I guess we'll see on that. That adds a lot to this Oregon team when Richardson comes back. But this Oregon team is really dangerous. Yeah, staying in the Pac-12, Chris Smith tore his ACL uh, and is out for the season. But they do come away with a 65-62 to win against Colorado. So... Good on them getting a win, even without Chris Smith, who was their best player coming into this season. Yeah, Jake Kyman and David Singleton, Jules Bernard, those three are going to have to produce without Chris Smith. I think UCLA is still a really good team. Their ceiling is limited without Chris Smith, but they still have a lot of pieces. Depth was one of the biggest things for that UCLA team. And now those guys that were depth pieces, now we're going to have to be big, big pieces, not just depth-wise, just as a whole. Yeah, certainly. Um, moving on, Sunday, um, Michigan spanked Northwestern. They won 85-66, to 66. certainly an impressive performance from the Wolverines. Uh, Minnesota took care of Ohio State. They won 77-60. to 60. Marcus Carr had a quiet game, but Liam Robbins uh, played the good role as the Robin to Marcus Carr's Batman. Yeah, the Northwestern game was not even close. Northwestern just didn't play well. Boo Boo, he had a terrible game. Pete Nance had a solid game, but just Northwestern got dominated. Hunter Dickinson is one of the better players in the country. I could see an argument that he's an All-American this season. He probably should be, honestly. That Michigan team's really good. I'd like to see them go on the road and win a Big Ten game before I fully buy in. But there's a lot of pieces of Mike Smith, Eli Brooks. Uh, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, Hunter Dickinson. Those are all really good players. Sean D. Brown. 
they just have a lot going for them. I think that Michigan team is dangerous. I think Northwestern is still a really good team, but they have to win a couple of their next Big Ten games before they go on a big four or five game losing streak. But for Minnesota, I mean, what a win. They just dominate Ohio State from start to finish. Marcus Carr struggles, and Liam Robbins is able to have 27 points. He had five blocks. Booth Gosh had a good game. Gabe Kalsher had three threes. That's a big thing. Jamal Mashburn at Jamal Mashburn Jr. at 10 points off the bench. The guys besides Marcus Carr contributing was the biggest thing I got from that game because Marcus Carr is going to do Marcus Carr things. You just need other guys to play good with Marcus Carr. So if they can do that when Marcus Carr is on, this Minnesota team can beat anybody. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and then the last one, Houston uh, beat SMU on the road. Uh, probably their toughest game left on the schedule. They won 74-60. to 60. Caleb Mills did take a leave of absence. Uh, we'll see if he comes back this season. But certainly an impressive performance for the Cougars to end up winning. Yeah, definitely. Houston, they played a great game. I liked a lot of what I saw from Dejon Durow. He looked like how he did two seasons ago. Justin Gorman, 18 rebounds. One of the best glue guys in college basketball. He just makes winning plays. He gets offensive boards. I think he had eight or nine offensive boards. He just does a lot of things you need. He's stepping into that Nate Hinton role in a big way. Houston's a really good team. They're a top five team for me even after that Tulsa loss. They're a team that could be Final Four bound. Yeah, definitely. Um, so now time to get into the pick section of uh, this podcast. Um, going through this week's games, uh, breaking down some of the best games out there. So starting tonight, uh, West Virginia will play at Oklahoma State. Uh, this is a Monday game. This is a Monday podcast. You'll probably be listening to this. Uh, hopefully you listen to it before this game starts, but I'm I'm personally on West Virginia, especially in the spot the line is at one and a half in favor of West Virginia. I think West Virginia wins this one probably by like six or seven. I think the Mountaineers do well uh, in a bounce back spot. Yeah, definitely. I think that West Virginia bounces back in this one. You know, Oklahoma State has to shoot the ball well, and I think West Virginia is going to force them to need to shoot the ball well. And I'm not sure they can. They're going to not let Cade Cunningham drive to the hole, which he's so good at. I think West Virginia wins by five. Yeah. Moving on here, Indiana will host Maryland. The line is at five. Uh, I don't think I put this on the outline, but I saw the game and thought it would be a good one to add. So who do you like in this one? Yeah, I think Maryland's going to win. Uh, I just have a lot of questions about Indiana. Trace Jackson Davis obviously is great, but besides Jackson Davis and Armand Franklin, they have zero offense, and I think it's going to continue that way. I, you just don't see anything out of Rob Finnessy. You don't see anything out of Al Durham. Race Thompson's regressed since his great start. There's just too many questions for me to think that they can win this game, even in Assembly Hall. They lost to Northwestern there. They almost lost to Penn State there. I think Maryland's a better team, just how good they are offensively. Defensively, defensively, they're not going to be able to stop Trace Jackson Davis, but I think that they'll be able to beat Indiana. Yeah, I think it, I think this game is going to be close. I, I'll take Indiana win at home just because it's a home game, but I, I'll take Maryland with the points. I, 
I think the the ultimate thing is I trust Trace Jackson Davis to if he gets the ball, he's going to be able to score kind of easily. I don't think Maryland's that great interior defensively. We saw Hunter Dickinson kind of eat their eat them alive on New Year's Eve. I think that type of thing could easily happen. But even then, I still I still am going to take Maryland with the points. I'll just take Indiana to win the game. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Uh, moving on, Tuesday's game uh, games. Florida will play at Alabama. Uh, the Haslametrics spread line has Florida favored by a point and a half. Who do you like in this one? I like Florida. Colin Castleton has been tremendous this season. He led the Florida Gators in both uh, in the last two games in points. He had 23 against Vandy, 21 against LSU. Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann can go off on any given night. Noah Locke is a great shooter. Tyree Appleby is a solid player. And the thing about Alabama is they shoot 47% of their shots from deep. They're only shooting 31% from deep. So that's just a bad recipe. I think Florida wins this game by five. I'll take Florida win as well. I think this is a prime letdown spot for Alabama. I think and the other thing, too, is I, I like Trey Mann. I, I like what I've seen out of him this year. Sky Lewis has looked better. I, I think there's been some positive uh, progression from Florida, and I think that's something that's been certainly big for the Gators this year. And I'll take them to win on the road at Alabama. And what's a close game, so obviously spreads within three. Go with the team. I think he's going to win. I'll take Florida. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Rutgers at Michigan State. The line on this is Rutgers favored by three. Uh, I like Rutgers to win by a little bit more than three. Uh, I think one thing we've seen with Michigan State is good big men can kind of eat them alive. Miles Johnson, certainly that. Uh, And the other thing, too, is I think this Rutgers team as a whole is just better, I think. They'll have the best player on the court, Ron Harper Jr. They'll have good guards and Geo Baker. You won't have the his own, as they would say, uh, the crowd noise in favor of Michigan State. So I like Rutgers in this one to win. Yeah, I think and, Rutgers wins this one also. Yeah, I think they cover the three-point spread as well. So As do I. Yeah. Um, also on Tuesday, Kansas will play at TCU. TCU's been solid this year, but do they win this game? Um, you know, that's an interesting one for me. I think Kansas is going to be able to have a nice bounce-back game and beat TCU on the road. RJ Nemhard's had a good season for TCU. Mike Miles has been one of the better freshmen in the country. Kevin Samuel's great, but I just think Kansas as a whole is a better team. Yeah, I do think this is kind of a matchup that plays into a David McCormick being actually decent because Kevin Samuels, a big physical big man, which means David McCormick won't get played off the court because of athleticism, which is something I think that benefits Kansas when McCormick's able to stay on the court uh, overall. And so I'll I'll go with Kansas as well. Nine's just a kind of big number, so I'll take TCU to cover the spread. Yeah, I think Kansas could win this one by a fair amount. Uh, And then I also 
didn't put this in the outline, but NC State will play at Clemson. Clemson's favored by four. Do you like the Wolfpack? I do. I just don't trust Clemson's offense. I think NC State with Shaquille Moore, Devin Daniels, Cam Hayes, Manny Bates will be able to score on NC State or on Clemson, and Clemson won't be able to score enough against NC State. I think Manny Bates could shut down Amir Sims. I think NC State wins by three. I'll take Clemson to win another close one. Uh, the spread is at four and a half, according to our good friend Eric Haslam. Um, so I'll take NC State to cover the spread. I think they'll lose by a possession. Just a possession, though. I think it'll be like a two-point game. So give me uh, NC State with the spread, Clemson to win the game. Uh, moving on, Wednesday's games, Virginia Tech will play at Louisville. Um, where's the spread here? Ah, uh, yes. So Louisville's favored by one and a half points. Uh, I think you know where I'm going. What are you picking? Um, this is a tough one. Who do you have first? Well, it's at Louisville. David Johnson, Carly Jones are the two best players on the court. Give me Louisville to That's win. That's where I thought you were going. That's what I thought you are going, but I wasn't sure because I think you're more in on Virginia Tech than I am. So I'm going to go Louisville also. I'm not I'm – not, I'm not really in on Virginia Tech, so I will take... Okay, so neither of us are in on them. Yeah, give give me Louisville by about 10. Yeah, I'll say about 6 or 7. All right, Minnesota will play at Michigan. This is probably the game of the day. Um, Now, Haslametrics has this as a a 9.5 point spread that... I'd be interested to see what the actual spread ends up being, uh, but we'll just go by this. I kind of uh, this tough one. I I'll take Michigan to win the game outright, um, but nine and a half points is a lot. So give me Minnesota to cover the points. Yeah, I think Michigan wins. I think Minnesota covers a nine and a half. Yeah. Uh, so we're both on the same page there. Um, we mentioned Tennessee will host Arkansas. Um, the spread is nine points in there. Uh, who do you think wins that game? I think Tennessee wins by 13, probably. I just think overall Arkansas is not good enough to be able to beat Tennessee in this one. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same basis. So, uh, Thursday's game, Iowa will play at Maryland. The spread is only three and a half. I like Iowa in this one. I think they're kind of playing really good, especially offensively. Jordan Bohannon seems to be back. So give me the Hawkeyes to win on the road. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a big test for Iowa, but I think they'll be able to win this one. Both teams are terrible defensively, so it'll probably be like 98 to 90. But I think Iowa will win. All right, moving on here. Um USC will play at Arizona. The line is six and a half, according to Eric Haslam. Um, oh, in favor of Arizona. Um, I, 
what what's your thoughts on the line? I like Arizona to win the game though. Uh, I think USC wins the game. Okay, I, so I yeah, I think USC the pick. be able to go there and win. I just think that USC is probably a more talented team. I like James Akinjo, Terrell Brown, I, Jamal Baker. He's not healthy currently though. He was playing through an ankle injury against Washington State and was terrible in that game. So I guess we'll have to see what Jamal Baker looks like. But I just think USC has Evan Mobley. They need to feed Evan Mobley. They they need to give him the ball consistently. That's what it comes down to for USC. They need to feed that man. And I think USC is going to be able to go on the road and be an Arizona team with nothing to play for because they self-imposed a postseason ban. Never self-imposed. But um, I'll take Arizona to win. Uh, I guess I'll take USC with the points, but I think it'll be a close one. Illinois will play at Northwestern. Uh, the line is nine and a half points in favor of Illinois. I will take Northwestern with the spread. I think it'll be a close game. Uh, and I think Kofi Coburn gets played off the court. Uh, but in the end, one player had one team has Io Desunu. One team has Pete Nance and Miller Cop. Give me the team with Io Desunu to win. Yeah, Ken Palm has it as a five-point line, so it'll probably be around six, probably. But I think that Illinois will be able to cover the six or so that it might be. I just think they're a better team than Illinois. So this is a must-win for Northwestern. Yes, definitely, especially getting back on the right pace. Last one here, uh, Colorado will host Oregon. They are favored by five, according to Haslametrics. I made on the podcast earlier a proclamation that Oregon is the best team in the conference give me Oregon to win straight up uh in this one I agree I think Oregon's the best team in the conference and I think they'll be able to win this one yeah uh the mountain trip can always be uh, a tough one but that is true Boulder is the toughest place to play in college basketball probably yeah especially with the altitude I think uh is Colorado State maybe a little bit higher altitude-wise? I have no clue. I'm, I'm sure there. Boulder is a tough place to play just because of the altitude, but I'm sure there's other tough ones to play. But certainly not going to be easy for Glenn. They'll have to earn it, but I'll take them to win the game straight up. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that will wrap it up for this edition of the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Make sure to subscribe on YouTube, and we will continue to be back.